was it really a vehicle for political ideas? Well, it's just a vehicle for our ideas, which were political at uh-huh. the time, I guess. Even though, like, well, I guess Will You Would Hear was, like, the first song that we recorded. Like, it's the first song on our first album. And that's, uh, yeah, I guess that's a very political number, you know? Uh-huh. Calling Dr. Phil a Nazi and uh, all these different types of things. Uh-huh. George Bush, uh, we, we, you know, it was it was a couple of years after 9-11. Right. And, uh... I don't know, I feel like the, the the climate of the country was way more politically heated at that time. I was, yeah, I remember it. I thought it was crazy. Yeah, it was insane. It was, a, yeah, people were walking around with patriotism all the time. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so, uh, let me see. So what was the development after that? So Dan, Dan split and, uh, we started writing a lot more lyrics okay. and writing, uh, writing like uh, ha- like about part part way through our third album, uh, "Holiday for Vacationers," we had a few like kind of psychedelic tunes in there with singing and background harmonies and more of a like uh, kind of like pop chord progression and stuff like that. And we really so that record kind of had like that sound, and then it had kind of a full band instrumental sound, and then it had uh, an electronic sound. It was 17 tracks. It could have been three albums, but we just put them all together. This was still being recorded by Jimbo at the gym. Yeah, yeah. And and me. Some of it was recorded in my in my bedroom at my parents' house in Lafayette. Um uh so we kind of we kind of latched onto that sound for our next record which we did with Mark Bingham. And okay. uh that was just an entirely lyrical record. You know? Uh-huh. And um when you say pop progressions, what, what was your perception of what it was you were doing previously? It was Previously, more... it was like alternate forms of songwriting that were just kind of like from an outsider perspective, just like experimenting with notes, just like, uh, I mean, the charts that I would come in to rehearsal with were just like, they were my friends, so they would play them, you know what I mean? But I, if, they, if they were strangers, they would, they would have just been like, I mean, the notation was horrible. Uh, it was just like, it would be things like a, like a, minute and 45 second song where it was just like uh, one line that never really repeated very much it repeated in weird sorts of ways that you had to memorize uh, not in any particular key or mode um, and the accidentals written all wrong and just the whole band would just play it unison and I'd say like okay we're going to play this three times we're going to get faster every time uh-huh. you know and we would and you know, it would be an odd time signatures, and it was just like it was a it was a challenge, you know. A lot of rehearsal. A lot of rehearsal. But also, the band's always been. Well, we've always had some really good players, so we haven't actually had to rehearse that much over uh-huh. the years. It's been good. People do their homework. Uh-huh. But yeah, you know, I, I wrote a lot of those songs like on a little sampler, like, uh, and I had sampled this little cheesy five dollar keyboard that I got from a grocery store, and uh, put the notes in there. And like written these weird tunes on that, and so a lot of it was very sequence based. It would be like you know, eleven different two bar phrases, mm-hmm. and it would just jostle back and forth between those. You know, yeah. And, and uh, let me see here. What did, did what did you feel was important about doing that kind of uh, sort of boundary pushing, or at least chal- uh, self challenging music, or what was that? What did you feel you were trying to convey by by dealing with that or is it just an idea that you wanted to hear out there or what was I don't know it's just like wanting to 
be the best we possibly could. You know, I, I just want to do the best. I want to do the best thing I can possibly think of, and like, uh, like I like to like try and I don't know, like do something that means something in relation to the idiom, you know, or uh, like be be aware of what others are doing and try and do something just as good, if not better than uh, that, you know. The not, idiom is something I'm interested in here. What, is, what was the idiom? What is the idiom? <laughs> well, that's like, that's complicated because I don't know, I'm not sure exactly. I'm still trying to find that out. Like there's uh -huh. a, I see like, I see like links all over the place and all kinds of different genres uh -huh. and it seems like there's like some sort of underlying similarity, like a f similar feeling that I get from all the different ones. Like if I listen to like, you know, Captain Beefheart or if I listen to Ray Davies or if I listen to Howlin' Wolf or if I listen to like Lord Finesse or some rapper from the Bronx, I like I still feel a similar sort of energy between all those people, you know. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just like them doing the best thing that they could possibly think up mm -hmm. and going for it. Uh-huh. And um so why do you think that you switched gravitated more to pop? Uh, pop things after that because it's fun it's really, really? fun uh, uh, and we never stopped doing the other material live uh -huh. so it's like we wanted to start doing this this vocal harmony thing but then we found out that it was going to take some work mm -hmm. so we kind of just started working on that because we already had the other thing together you know mm -hmm. so it was like trying to develop a new skill set as a band mm -hmm. And then, so live, we'll still do all those other numbers, but then we'll throw in these, like, three-part harmony tunes. And, How uh, did you train yourselves to do that? I mean, what was the... What just was like, the, well, um, the, our bass player, Kelly Smith, uh, sometimes goes by Kelly Carlisle as well, he, uh, he joined the band, and he's, he's a singer, and he's taken a lot of vocal lessons, and he, he gave me some techniques, and I started working on stuff, uh, and then just, you know trying to sing through my diaphragm stamps, you know, do all that stuff, breathing exercises, and then we would just get together and we actually scored out the harmonies. Jimbo actually, you know, scored out everything that we did on mm -hmm. the last record, vocal-wise. Vocal, vocal mm -hmm. And we got together and just rehearsed, like, two to four days a week for, like, January through, you know, May or June, something like that. Oh, that's really admirable. Yeah. So, um... <clears throat> And uh, in t explaining, okay, so clearly there's like this big technical component to, to what's going on in your mm -hmm. music, and there's content things too. Have you had difficulty explaining the the? Uh, and obviously, you're you know you've all worked on the musical end, but I mean, this is, how does the content go over with the, with the guys that you have to play with and stuff? And, um, are they all people that see what you're seeing or can see it or they feel comfortable with the delivery or how do they how does that yeah well it now we have a band that's like comfortable with it there was a time when we were transitioning mm -hmm. from like our early like sort of uh, nimble kind of jazz outfit with some like Sun Ra uh -huh. stuff that Jimbo brought from the Cosmic Crew uh -huh. and then some of the early my early tunes when we started going more into a band that was especially when Dan was there, but we were singing tunes and Dan was doing his thing, certain people just kind of backed away from the project because it was... Oh, really? Yeah, like certain horn players that we had just kind uh -huh. of said, I, I don't want to be a part of this. Wow. 
because uh, yeah, yeah, we had some pretty raucous shows, I guess, you know, and we were kind of going more in this other vein, more rock and roll vein, and people were just like, eh, a couple people. Ah, uh, that's it. That's an interesting experience. So, and and uh, did you, do you think it was the politics they were appalled by, or just by the? the, the I don't even know exactly. So just yeah. like the maybe just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, just pulled out. Um, so. Um, how about audiences? I mean, do you think what was what was the reaction there? Are they getting it, or is it uh, you know, or is it what what do you what, you know? I mean, I've seen it with mixtures of audience sizes. I mean, right. now it seems like it's recently I've seen the planets out, and of course you have a much bigger band right now, and there's right. two guitars and everything. It actually sounds killer, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of songs are, but what? Uh, but I've seen it in other configurations that also sounded really good and very very interesting. But there was. There's so hardly ever anyone in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's good. It can go either way here. I know how that is. But, I mean, how on the, on the whole, is this... Uh, do you think people understand what you're talking about? People really like our albums. Uh, a lot of people really like our albums. Not yeah. a lot of people, but... The people who get them. Yeah. Uh, the people that like our music like our music a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently we've had, like... A bunch more people at our shows. I'm really, I'm really horrible at self-promoting. Mm-hmm. Uh, really bad at all that stuff. Business, booking gigs. I mean, you know, just terrible at it. Um, but I think the audiences get it. You know, when they're there. Especially yeah. recently, we've been getting really good audience response from our new material. That's interesting because didn't you have a, a sort of you know tried and failed attempt at getting into marketing or something recently? Or yeah, you, I tried to take a couple of accounting classes <laughs> accounting when I was class. breaking out with my ex girlfriend. Yeah, uh, a couple of years ago or however many years ago I don't even know now. But uh, yeah, that was that was that was a nightmare. Yeah, I, I remember talking nightmare. about it and thinking it was very interesting. You know, I was just you. like put put on like the the denial shades. Yeah, know, and like yeah, but no, I'm I'm done with that. Uh-huh. I'm done with that. I don't even know. Why that seemed like a good idea at the time? Yeah, it's funny. It is things funny. Like things in life can go, you know. So, um, what? Uh, I've seen you also doing something intriguing. Something that intrigued me was uh, you. You do these things where you play solo now, and you're singing songs. <laughs> And just play an organ, and it's very interesting because, quite frankly, you get the organ to sound like I don't even know what. I mean, it's a very interesting sounding device. And, and uh, uh, what is that about? Are you going to keep doing that? Is yeah. it something you're interested in? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. Uh, I mean, like the Planets is definitely a vehicle for my tunes. But it's also a vehicle for Jimbo's tunes and our stuff together. And at this point, I just have a. L- I mean, right now we could record three albums easily mm-hmm. you know I mean could probably do an album of collaboration material could probably do an album of all Jimbo material mm-hmm. an album of all my material so okay so you guys are unbelievably prolific I don't know what to do I mean it's just been a year since we've recorded so uh-huh. and we worked on the other one for a year so I guess technically it's been two years so we have two years worth of stuff aren't you recording right now over at we're about to be next week it's right next, next week. week yeah yeah, yeah. I mean just a bit about Mark Bingham seems excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. They're setting up the studio out there right now for us. So Wes you're, oh, so you're going to do it in Henderson? Yeah, well, but Wes That's is great. setting it up with all, all the, a bunch of gear from Piety. Oh, there's great. Permanently. Oh, right, permanently. right. I heard, I heard about that, so that's, that's real interesting. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, I definitely plan on doing a lot more solo stuff. Yeah. I have a lot of tunes that I like to play uh, by myself. Or even I'd like to have a small band, you know, but maybe a solo project at some point. I don't know. 
How have you found it is having a... Well, actually, let's go back. Let's go back to what we were saying. Uh, so you want to have solo projects? So you, so you have some things that, is that you want to do right now? You have some some things in mind or some things that you want to get up to? Well, I've just done a few shows by myself, and it's, like, uh, very uh, frightening leading up to it. But then I get sort of addicted to it when it, once it mm-hmm. starts happening. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get that feeling it back <laughs> the performance huh? yeah what is it that you think uh, gives you this I don't know like well a lot of my lyrics uh, I don't know it just feels good to, to, to get those words across to people mm-hmm. you know say what I don't necessarily maybe have the courage to say in normal conversation or can't think of at the moment you know mm-hmm. just put an be able to put an idea in people's minds and mm-hmm. give them something to think about for the next three minutes mm-hmm. I like that what a what are you writing about now, though? What 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 is what's on what's on your mind currently? Um, right now, I'm I went through a period of writing some pretty negative music. In what sense? Um, nah, like nihilistic, uh, just kind of uh, just like fuck off music. I wrote about suicide several times. I wrote about uh, just like loss and and uh, just like uh, things were always written from some sort of a negative perspective mm-hmm. uh, some sort of a just kind of painted with a tinge of like cynicism mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to write some material that's more uh, positive more like I, I have some stuff that I, I uh, I would like to start doing that's even more of like a spiritual nature lyrically uh-huh. uh, there's one song that I've done I did I closed the solo set with that you saw it's mm-hmm. called So Free It yeah and uh, we're gonna record that on the New Planets album but uh, I just have this idea that if I I've seen a lot of people go down the drain writing amazing songs about these <laughs> like New Orleans characters uh that are that are drinking themselves to death and whatnot, and and then they don't, and then they're becoming those people through their songs, mm-hmm. you know. So I want to try and envision a more positive uh, future self mm-hmm. and uh, become that through my music. And that's what I'm trying to do right now. And it's it's really hard sitting at home trying to write songs because I'm trying to envision a more positive future self. <laughs> so do you feel like you have to. Envision what yourself is going to be, and then create create yourself out of, out of the image. Or in a way, that... I mean, I think I need to listen to my uh, inner voice. You know, I think uh, not being afraid to just do the right thing. You know, I want to I want to bring that back. You know, wow. James Joyce. Have you read *Culture of the Artist*? Have you I have. I love. It. I love it. I mean, <laughs> that's, it's that that is an incredible uh, book. Uh huh. That's the only James Joyce I've ever read. I've got a copy of The Dubliner sitting at my house. And I read that uh, that book, uh, Fierce Invalids from Hot Climates, the Tom Robbins I novel. I read that. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is about uh, a CIA agent who's in a secret cult of people who have read Finnegan's Wake. Like, they're like the only people that actually read it and underst- understand it. And they have these secret meetings. And it's meditating, uh, LSD-taking uh, CIA agents. It's pretty And uh, I said, oh, I'm going to read Finnegan's Wake. I have to. And all my friends were like, fuck you. You can't read Finnegan's Wake. And I couldn't. I got halfway down the first page. 
You really have to hear him read it. I was going to read it in parts. So oh, do you have it? I was looking around to see if I got a section you could read out a section on the interview, but I, I think I've packed up. My, huh. I think I think it's been packed up. Um, what a so I can see your see. So this positive. I'm interested in this now. Well, is go ahead. Where is Well, I just. Uh, well, no. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to ask. You know, in terms of in terms of this positive thing, I mean, is the, is the problem here that, that mostly you're habituated to thinking things negatively? But it sounds like if you've got a spiritual thing, there must be something that you saw that that performed the conversion in your head or the desire to do it differently. We go from the from 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 negative nihilistic music to positive music. There's usually something. Well, I used to think that I didn't have any control over over these things. Uh-huh. You know, uh, I mean, I've always had some. I've always had, you know, dealt with depression, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, I mean, everyone does. Uh, for me, the whole reason I even got into music in the first place was I, I'm, whenever I was young, I had this uh, thing called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a autoimmune disease, a neuromuscular disorder. Huh. And it's uh, it's rare, and uh, it leaves you completely paralyzed. I was paralyzed for about uh, a month, really total, and had to go to about six months worth of occupational therapy and whatnot to learn how to walk again, learn how to eat again. All, just all the muscles in your body stop working. It's a wow. uh, it's a problem with your uh, antibodies attacking the myelin sheath in your nerves. Uh-huh. Uh, and for me, like being <clears throat> being in the hospital and having I had was having these plasma transplants that lasted several hours. I had about six of those. Uh, I would listen to music, and it was very medicinal. It was the only. It was you had to focus on positive uh, 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 mental health uh-huh. whenever you whenever your physical health deteriorates quickly. Uh-huh. And for me, like music just took on a different uh, like realm of like spirituality and like mental uh, mental therapy. Uh, during that period, so I feel like um, I've always had that that feeling when I play music, when I listen to music. But I want to be more upfront about uh, creating mental therapy for other people, and know that that's the purpose of music, at least for me. Uh huh. Wow, that's amazing. How old were you when? when I was fourteen, so it was uh, uh-huh. fifteen years ago. Yeah. No, yeah, fifteen years. But ago. still, not that long ago in terms of. It wasn't. No, and actually, I. I it wasn't until this year that I really began harping on it a lot and realizing that's where a lot of my uh, negativity maybe comes from, like that, just that experience. Mm-hmm. And Joe Cabral from the Iguanas turned me onto this book that he, he didn't even know that this was part of my past. He turned me onto this book called No Laughing Matter, written by Joseph Heller, uh, the guy who wrote Catch Twenty Two, yeah. who had the same uh, same thing. It's Joseph Heller. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, that book just kind of re- reawakened a lot of these things inside of me. You wrote one of the funniest books I ever read. There's a lot of books. Just... Wow. Well, that's very inter- that's an interesting bit of serendipity that they, they turned you on to that. And that yeah, it was, it was random. That's cool. Um, so what... Um, let me see here. So that's interesting. So now we're moving off the political and into that kind of... into a different kind of, a different kind of mode with the writing. And... Uh, 
in the future, well, now you, I guess in a way you said what you're planning to make out of, make yourself into, what you're holding <laughs> yourself into in the, uh, you know, the smithy of your soul there, is, is whether, uh, um, is there, are there, is there a sound you're envisioning that, it, that accompanies this kind of outlook, or is there a kind of, what are, what are the features of, of this kind of, if you were going to design the features of, um, I mean, you obviously have choices at this point, you know, you're, yeah. You're, you're, oh, yeah. You're, you know, you're, uh, well, the next recording that we're about to do is going to be the culmination of everything we've done so far. Mm-hmm. You know, we started to touch on this, uh, this psychedelic, I mean, I just use that word, but I mean, this kind of even, you know, this kind of late 1960s influenced sound, some of these tunes, you know, early 70s, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we went like our, our last record was basically a concept album. It was mm-hmm. just like we went full on with that sound. We're gonna we're gonna just incorporate everything we do on this next one and use a lot of technology, lots of technology, mm-hmm. <laughs> computers. We're gonna use some samplers, like some uh, some sequencers, stuff like that. Uh, some you know MIDI synthesizer stuff, uh, acoustic instruments, horns. Um, I just want to be really creative with the chord progressions, you know, but uh, I just want to make music that feels good to me, but that doesn't mean it can't be insane sounding to someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, uh, you spent a lot of time working with Jimbo uh, Walsh, yeah. and he's a, a, a very interesting musical figure around here, but uh, what's your take on working with him? I mean, it's interesting because when you say something like interesting uh, chord progressions and, and stuff like that, and you, you know, he's... Very adept, and he's taught me like I mean, he taught me a lot about writing chord progressions. Uh He, I mean, I mean, he taught he taught me how to write a cool chord progression. You know, Jimbo taught me how to do that, and taught me some techniques that I've used to write you know subsequent tunes. And uh, I always see because I know have you you've studied with him formally, right? Well, for years, for years, I did for years. I've just like hung out with him. Yeah. You know, and picked up a lot of information, but it's always been, a, it's never been like a thing where he's like my teacher technically. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like with I Hector, mean, with Hector he was my sense. teacher, yeah. you know. With Jimbo, it's always been like we've just hung out. Yeah. He's twice my age, you know, almost. Right. No, yeah. not twice my age, but. Uh, I mean, I love working with Jimbo. He's a, he, We both have really strong personalities, uh-huh. and we've butted heads many times, uh-huh. you know. Sidemen have seen us argue, you know. Uh, we've argued on stage notoriously several times, yeah. uh, but it's always it's always cool in the end because we always, at some point, it's just going to be he and I sitting in a room together, uh, working on some music, and something is going to click, and we're just going to come up with something that really satisfies the both of us that neither one of us would have come up with individually, and uh, that's what. That's what really keeps me going. Working with him and just he and I coming up with ideas. Like, we work together so fast. Uh, we always have, but now it's just we can get together and uh, come up with a new tune in a session that's, like, our best song ever, mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. So I love working with Jimbo. I, I've worked with other people in the same arena, like songwriting and stuff like that, and he's he's the fastest I've worked with. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got a lot of them. Hmm. 
you got a lot of muscle. He's packing a lot of muscle under the belt. And yeah, he can generate ideas. Oh There's yeah, no, no question about that. And it, it, what a um of the of the others. I mean, you're working with Jimbo, but you work with a lot of other people with uh, with other kinds of strengths. What do you think are the uh, the contributing? Uh, features to that because there's something about musicality you know it's a, when you're, when you're t- especially when you're talking about the other planets you have so many different kinds of creativity and creative thinking and creative modes that you're going through and yeah. you know as I said it's interesting because you could all these different musicians in yeah. there and of course not everyone can see everyone's uh perspective or ideas or right. their brain's not going to get around a certain way right, of functioning right. in music or things, something like that you know it's a, well, okay, like, let's see, for example, um, like when you're talking about, do people, like, get get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. the, even in the band? Right. I've got somebody like Rex Gregory, mm-hmm. who plays with us often. He was he played beautiful horn parts on our last album. Yeah. He knows all the words to all the songs, and to my knowledge, he loves the tunes. He tells, he's told me he does. I'm sure he does. Uh, and then you got somebody like Tim McFadder, who's just, like, a mad genius who I don't think he really cares what the words say. I mean, like, mm-hmm. sometime, one time we were record, when we were recording Holiday for Vacationers, he was making me uh, play back the, this, this thing over and over again, and we were, we were working on this horn part, and he was getting really specific about this chord inversion that he was outlining, and uh, he was like, I only care about how it sounds. I was like... I was like, all it matters is like how it sounds later, you know. It doesn't matter. What was it? I don't. I remember him saying, "I, I only care about what it feels like when I'm making it. I'm never going to listen to this shit later." Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, or you know, I, I really don't think he cares what the songs are about. He's just into the math of it, playing the coolest parts and having everyone everyone really like his stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah, I love working with Tim because he's brilliant. Uh-huh. He's extremely quick as well. Uh-huh. He just always plays the coolest thing. Yeah, these are striking horn players. I mean, really, we've worked with them, especially in, you know, well, Dan is all man natural, but, but to Tim. All yeah, natural. <laughs> I mean, you know, his approach to music. So oh, yeah. But, you know, it's very, it's very, it's not, I and mean, it's definitely not. Um, it's. it's in my experience with Rex, I mean, I don't know. You can listen to Rex. He's got a, he's got a long interview on here or his oh, blog cool. or something. But you know, yeah, I did a long interview with Rex. But it's interesting because it's very, very well reasoned and somewhat calculating. I mean, his motion, his, oh, life, yeah. his, his heart is really in it. But he's really thought, he thinks things through. Like it oh. doesn't surprise me that he spent that much time learning your lyrics. Oh no, yeah. What the meaning is because he, 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 he's he does that, and plus he can do those kind of things very quickly. Like he's a, he can, you know, he's just. Experience with it. He, he is he's a, rapid. He's one of my and, favorite people I've um, ever met. Frank McFadder is very interesting because again, it's a different kind of different kind of different kind of mind going at it. So this is a, you know, it's uh, it's it, it is interesting because you know, if you put those kind of ideas in front of people and you find out those those sorts of. Uh, I changed my ringtone. Now Jimmy I Hendrix, ladies and gentlemen. Now I always love my ringtone. <laughs> Every time it comes on, I think, "Wow, the wind cries, Mary." <laughs> Give me a collection agency. I think, "Wow, that's <laughs> great." It's Stan Pander. Yeah. Can I speak to John? John who? <laughs> you know, John Frylick. 
Yeah. I've got a collection agency that calls for one of my friends at work and got another coworker that answers it every time with Mecca like a high, Mecca Heine call. I once saw Jimbo answer the phone for a collection agency and it I don't know, it was somebody trying to sell him something and he worked out in a second and I I'll never forget. I was over there for a lesson and the lecture he gave it <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> the phone was unbelievable I mean <laughs> never forget it you know. well you know what I don't know if I if, if I can't think of any you know I think we do dealt with where you, where it is you want to go and what it is you're up to and actually you've been real clear about that I can't I can't, I can't really think uh, think of anything else to ask you about um are there any people that you're working on working with? Um, yeah, Quinn Kirchner is coming back to town. Oh, really? For a week, next week, to record, mm. to record with us. I'm very excited about that. <laughs> um, I used to play with the Iguanas a lot. I'm hoping to do some more playing with them at some point in the future. Uh, you're very privileged. A lot of my friends play with the Iguanas. I never had a chance. You've sat in before many times, I always though. go sit in. Yeah. <laughs> I've been sitting in since they started at the Buckley. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I, they support all kinds of creativity. Oh man, I mean, Joe Cabral turned me on to a lot of music that really influenced me. So did uh, Doug Garrison, actually. Actually, my whole experience with them was was a huge education. It was amazing uh, uh-huh. touring around with those guys after Katrina. Well, and you get to you know, mess around with the unbelievable sort of you know, well, just the, Renee. Set, the, the lyrics of. Uh, of you know, Rod is amazing. Oh, man. Well, Rod, Rod was reading the entire time we were on the road. He was constantly reading a book. And he, that guy is a, uh, he's a voracious reader. I know. Uh, it's like a more moderate version of Yoda, you know. You know yeah. <laughs> uh, Renee just taught me a lot about being a percussionist in a rhythm section. Uh, yeah, what did he teach you? I mean, I'm not going to tell you. What you can't. Tell <laughs> he made me listen to more Uganda Roberts. That was a good thing. Really? Yeah. Uh, wow, and then Doug is just, you know, Doug is a master drummer. Uh-huh. It's amazing. Every time I play with him, we've always had kind of an unspoken thing. We just really enjoy each other's playing. Uh, and Joe, I mean, Joe taught me about Paraubu and the Residence, Snake Finger. He turned me on to some amazing Frank Zappa albums. Uh-huh. Albums that really shaped my creative outlook. I know they shaped his too, you know. Roxy and Elsewhere? Roxy and Elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah, one. 